right, let's kick off another edition of the Pull Tab Podcast, albeit two months hiatus back, my grand triumphant return. Hey, we need picks, a-hole. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm going to get to the picks. I'm sorry, I'm going to miss week one. I've had a lot going on, but hey, I'm back now for week two. We'll roll through some stuff. We'll get in some Big Ten, some NASCAR, and of course, we'll get to week two NFL picks. All right? At Pull Tab Podcast Twitter, Pull Tab Podcast at yahoo.com. Go ahead and contact me, yell at me. Whatever you need to do there. Any questions, good questions, fantasy, NFL, betting, shoot me a note. All right, we're back. Gone for about two months or so. Had a lot going on. Obviously, we're still in the coronavirus hell. But guess what? All the sports are pretty much back up and running. That's great. That's good times. That means sweet action. It means a lot of sweet action across all platforms. So we'll jump into it right away. Start with golf. The U.S. Open's going on right now. My pre-tournament pick was Xander Shoffley. I believe he's sitting... Tied for fourth right now, or fourth all by himself, minus two. Chasing Wolf, DeChambeau, Patrick Reed, Justin Thomas. Pretty good leaderboard for the U.S. Open up at Wingfoot. Very tough place to play. Should be pretty good. I know there's no fans there up in the unruly New York fan section of the country, but should be a good tournament to come home tomorrow afternoon after the Packer game, and hopefully it will prove to be a great U.S. Open finish like we've seen in the past. So that's going on right now. Another big story broke this week. The Big Ten finally got off their ass and realized, guess what? We can play football. And guess what? We can do it safely. Yes, the Big Ten is coming back October 24th. Schedule released this morning. Wisconsin will play the mighty, well, not really, the horrible University of Illinois, Illini. Kick off the season October 24th. The Big Ten will get back in action. And yes, they will be eligible for the BCS playoffs, but there's a little bit of a hang-up there because they're only going to have eight games. And some of these other conferences that playing that are playing ACC, SEC, Big 12, they're going to end up playing 10 games. So a little bit of work to do there. Not sure how that's going to play into it with the rankings and how they can get into the BCS playoffs. But the Big 10 teams will be eligible. So we're going to have to see how that shakes out. So after some doctors and medical personnel came in, did a little seminar, rapid testing, showing everything that other teams and colleges are doing across all sports platforms, the chancellors voted, unanimous decision, bring Big Ten football back and realize that they were complete idiots for making this decision months ago to cancel the Big Ten season. So thank God common sense prevailed, and we'll get on with our lives, and Badger football will be in full swing here in a few short weeks. So thank goodness for that. All right, the Bucks. All right, I've shed enough tears. I've had enough sleepless nights. I'm going to address this real quick. Another huge disappointing season for the Milwaukee Bucks. This was what I thought was going to be their year. Last year, pretty excited, made a run, but they just weren't ready. They weren't championship ready. This year they came back, they were championship ready. And then, of course, COVID-19 nonsense hits, puts a halt to everything, and goes to the bubble. And anybody that watches the Bucs, like myself, watches all the games, checks out everything that's going on with the team, knew when they started playing back in the bubble, this was not going to go well. They played like garbage from the moment they took the floor in Orlando in the NBA bubble for their first quote-unquote eight regular season games before the playoffs started. They struggled through the first playoff round against Orlando, didn't look good against that, and Tyler Hero, Wisconsin native who went to Kentucky for a year, bailed on the Badgers, went to NBA draft, and it's working out pretty well for him because he completely torched our ass in the bubble. So lost to Miami in the second round. Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler took it to us. It was a little bit too late. Had one of the games where it was tight in the fourth quarter. It was a 42-13 to 13 spread, I think. Miami outscored Milwaukee, the largest gap in NBA history in one quarter of play. 
and bye-bye goes Coach Bud and the Bucks. I, I, it's just it's so frustrating. Like, I, what would have happened if they wouldn't have gone to the bubble? Would they have steamrolled to the to the championship uh, to the finals? I don't know. I have a pretty good feeling that they probably would have done pretty well. The Bucks are a team that uses the crowd to their energy. Okay, the Bradley Center now the Pfizer Forum. When that place gets rocking and rolling, especially a guy like Giannis, he feeds off of that. He feeds off the crowd. That's where you know that's the thing. Lopez buries a three from the corner, man. That place gets intense. The defense gets amped up. That's what the Bucks need. And going to that bubble, I mean, watching these games is so painful. All the Zoom and whatever the hell they had going on back there. If you were the home team, they were pumping crowd noise. And I, it's just, I know the NBA is doing the best they can. And the product actually isn't all that bad for what they're trying to do there. But it's not the same. And the Bucks came in flat. They came in unprepared. I'm not going to blame it all on Coach Bud and I having these guys ready to go. It's just the circumstances. No one picked Miami to come in here and play this good. I like Denver and Utah in the West. Denver's looking pretty good right now, but nobody picked Miami. And they're up 2-0 on Boston right now in the series. So Miami's looking pretty solid to go to the finals. So we'll see what happens. It's just how can you manage it the best. And right now, Spolstra and the Heat, they're getting it done right now. But on the brighter side of the, the Bucks beat, Giannis wins his second straight MVP, as he should have. He is the best player in the NBA. LeBron is crying, crying to Blues again because he had all these votes and didn't win MVP. God, LeBron is such a diva. He's such a diva. He's so arrogant. Now, granted, yes, he's LeBron's a great player, and he was the best player in the world for a long time, but there's this little guy in Milwaukee, Giannis, Kumbo, the Greek freak. Might have heard of him. Better than you right now. He's going to be better for you, better than you in the long haul as well. So get over it, LeBron, okay? Giannis deserves it. All defensive team again. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it might have been Awajuwon and Jordan that won the defensive player and the MVP back-to-back years. Could be mistaken about Awajuwon, but I know for certain it was Jordan. So a loose, or great company for Giannis to be joining to win back-to-back MVPs, back-to-back defensive, all defensive player of the team. Now we turn to next season. He's got one more year under contract. He's going to get to Supermax. He's met with Mark Lawsery and the 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 Milwaukee Buck brass, the owners, to figure out what to happen. He's saying all the right things. He wants to be in Milwaukee long-term. He wants to build this thing and go through brick walls and all the stuff he's saying. And I hope he's right because we cannot afford to lose Giannis in Milwaukee. It will be devastating. It would be detrimental to the city. He brings so much to the city, so much excitement. And the Bucks have never had a chance to back-to-back years even make a run at the finals forever. Since 2001, we talked about it in an, early po- an earlier podcast with Big Dog, Cassell, and, Cassell and Ray Allen. These boys were the last time we had a shot to go to the NBA Finals. And if we lose Giannis, that would be all bad, especially to the Golden State or some of these other teams that, you know, put together these trios, these two, three all-stars together and hope to get it done. Well, that didn't work out for Kawhi and Paul George and the Clippers. I can tell you that this year because they got their ass beat. But Giannis, hopefully he stays in Milwaukee. He needs to stay in Milwaukee. So get that paper signed. Get that contract signed. Get it done. And whatever he wants. He wants Middleton here. Go after other people. They said they're going to go into luxury tax and spend to get some players here, and they absolutely need to do that to keep him happy. The other side of that coin, Eric Bledsoe, again, just garbage in the playoffs. My God, what is wrong with this guy? He's such a good regular season talent, but absolutely useless in the playoffs. DiVincenzo, Corver, these guys actually add, Marvin Williams, these guys added to the team in the playoffs. Bledsoe, again, falls flat in his face, not so much. I just, I, I like the guy. I want to like the guy, but man, you gotta, you gotta step up when the time is big, and they needed him. Giannis was out one of the games in the series against the Heat, and Bledsoe needed to step up. Middleton was, man, 
Middleton was lights out. I mean, he put that team on his back multiple games and rolled those guys through. That Miami series just was a little bit too late. Giannis had the injury, but man, Middleton really stepped up. And he, he should have, right? They paid him to do that. He's supposed to be the Robin to the Giannis Batman. So we'll see where it goes. But Bledsoe, again, falls flat on his face. The team rallies around. George Hill, these guys played really well to try to get it done, but just wasn't there. Wasn't in the cards this year, in the bubble, in Orlando. And hopefully we can get back to normal next year. We get back to the Pfizer Forum, get that crowd rocking and rolling, and make an absolute run to the playoffs, steamroll to the playoffs without any obstacles. And just, again, I mean, the joke came up jokers this year again with this, this COVID-19 bullshit, and here we go. So that's my take on the Bucks. It's disappointing. It's heartbreaking, and just got to move on. Just got to move on from there. Brewers, huh, right along the same lines, it's disappointing and heartbreaking with this team. I don't know what to make of this team. The pitching is terrible. They either score no runs or they score 20 runs in a game. Like, they're all over the place. Hader is okay this year. Then he then he's not okay this year. Like, it's the pitching is terrible. The defense has been okay. The batting has been up and down. I, I don't know what to make of this team. Council's got his hands, his hands full with this roster. You know, they're sitting 23 and 26, fourth in the NL Central. They got a three-game stand against the Royals this weekend at Miller Park. It just, they're just right in the middle, right? They're a below-average baseball team. Unless they get hot and get rolling on something, there's, they're going to miss the playoffs. And what are you going to do? I mean, it's a short season. It's tough for everybody. I'm trying to get 66, really trying to get 60 games in 66 days. Just not looking good right now for the Brewers. So we'll, we'll, we'll circle back on them in another week's time. Like I mentioned, we're going to get to some NFL here stuff and get my picks in. But the Brewers, very, very underperforming and very underwhelming for sure to start this season. All right, we'll jump into a little bit of NASCAR before we get to our NFL picks. NASCAR, a lot happening tonight. Bristol, cutoff race for the chase to the round of eight. To Benedetto, Blaney, basically in a must-win situation. Byron, Clint Boyer, these guys fighting for their playoff lives. Going to Bristol, awesome venue. And kudos to NASCAR. Kudos NASCAR for putting the schedule out, having Daytona as a cutoff race into the playoffs, having Bristol as a cutoff race into the round of eight, doing a really nice job positioning the tracks where they need to be. And it should be an awesome race tonight. It's going to be great weather. The place is going to be fast. Xfinity race last night was pretty good. Chase Briscoe ended up winning that. Not really much of a surprise to anybody. But it should be a really good one tonight. I like Truex. I'm going to take Truex at 12-1 to tonight. I think he's been running really, really good. And I think he's just due. I mean, he's just due for a win. So I'm going to, I'm going to jump on that 19 car tonight at 12-1. to Along with NASCAR, his silly season has been in full swing. And the last couple of weeks have been pretty... Pretty interesting, packed with info. Starting off with the, the first big domino to fall was Brad Keselowski. Decided to stay at Team Penske, signed a one-year contract. Did not go to the 48 car, which many, many people thought was going to happen. So that was the first shoe to fall. The second one to fall was Bubba Wallace informing RPM last week, Richard Petty Motorsports, that he will not drive there next season. Has not come out where he's going yet, but there's been a couple scenarios with Bubba. First one being... Going to Hendrick Motorsports. Now that Brad Keselowski did not go, there's been rumors that Alex Bowman would slide over to the 48 with Ally Bank full funding season, and Bubba would come over to the 88 with his little satchel of sponsors that he's been signing on here lately. Columbia, Beat by Dre, you know, those, uh, DoorDash was a big one he signed on with. So bringing that over to the 88 car, jumping in there with his sponsors, that car's already underfunded the way it is. One scenario. Scenario number two. Chip Ganassi racing in the 42 car. But that's been rumored that Chip offered Bubba a contract. Bubba didn't sign it fast enough. 
So Chip rolled up his contract, stuck in his pocket, and went home. Rumor there, too. Well, is it out of the cards he could go to the 42 car? No. McDonald's is a sponsor there that loves Bubba. That would be a perfect fit there. But McDonald's on the car. Bubba jumps in the 42. Has a good teammate, Kurt Busch. Not a bad situation there. Scenario number three, which has been gaining traction here as of late, is the Gaunt brothers have told Daniel Suarez that he's out next season. Why would Bubba want to go to the Gaunt brothers? Well, rumor is Denny Hamlin is looking to buy a team. Rumor was Danny, Denny Hamlin was looking to buy into Richard Petty Motorsports, whether that's true or not. If it didn't pan out, Gaunt Brothers releases Suarez. Jermaine Racing is struggling right now. It looks like Geico's leaving that team. Looks like they might close the doors, which means that charter could be for sale. Enter Gaunt Brothers. They pick up the charter. Denny Hamlin buys in, brings Bubba Wallace over. They have sponsors, his little satchel of sponsors, bring him over there. You get Toyota backing, Toyota funding, and now all of a sudden you have a team to work with Joe Gibbs and Alliance, much less, much like the Wood Brothers runs with Team Penske. Levine Racing is kind of that right now with Christopher, Christopher Bell to Joe Gibbs, but I don't think it's full-on. It's not full-on everything, cars, engineering, the whole nine yards debrief. I think it's uh, 75% Alliance, whereas this Gaunt Brothers deal of Denny Hamlin buy, bought in would most likely be 100% Alliance with Joe Gibbs Racing. Cars, chassis, bodies, engineering, you name it, right? That's all going to be in there. Motors, the whole nine yards. So that was the third scenario right now. It's been all quiet since Bubba said he's leaving. No one really knows. You have to sit, sit, sit on your hands and wait to find out where he will end up. But I would imagine in the coming weeks, it's going to have to come out here pretty quick. Bob Pockross, Jennifer Fryer, they do a pretty good job of, of digging in and trying to get some information of, of what's happening there in silly season. So let's go back to the 42 car for a second now. If Bubba Wallace doesn't sign there, well, who's available? Eric Jones, he's available. Kyle Larson, we'll talk about him in a little bit. You know, some of these guys are available to jump in that car. Corey LaJoy, he's available. And also to the 48 car. You probably put these two together and see, okay, who who's going to end up where? Sounds like Kyle Larson come out lately that there could be a high potential that he has something done with Hendrick for the 48 car. Complete rumor. Not No backing on that at all. Just some rumors flying around out there that Larson already pretty much has a deal with Hendrick. The 42 car, obviously the next best guy out there is probably Eric Jones. I mean, really, a kid like Corey LaJoy deserves a shot, in my opinion. I'd love to see Corey in the 48 car. I think that'd be great. Even if it was a one-year deal, I think Corey LaJoy is, is such a talent, and he does the best with what he has. He's grown up working on his stuff. He's not a helmet driver. He doesn't just show up and drive. He's been working on his stuff ever since he was a kid. Randy made him do it, and it's proved dividends. He's a hard worker. He shows, the race, shows up to the racetrack, and he's been competitive in everything he's been in. So I would love to see Corey LaJoy get a shot. You know, and to say that too, between Corey and Eric Jones, Ty Dillon will be out there if the 13 car shuts down. RPM's got the alliance with RCR. Does that is that a fit for Ty Dillon? Seems pretty seamless. But there's also talk that Daniel Suarez could be up for that seat as well. So there's a lot of moving parts between the 48, the 42, the 43 known open seats. The one that's not open right now that could be open is the 14 is Stuart Haas. Clint Boyer has yet to re, yet to make an extension. Greg Zabadelli was out the, the other week saying that they're working on things and want to keep the same driver lineup for next year, saying all the right things, but I'm not so sure Clint's going to be back in that car next year. He might if they want to keep Chase in the Xfinity for one more year and then bring Chase up, but Chase has got, what, seven wins now in the Xfinity series this year? He's probably ready. He's probably ready for the cup level. And I don't know if another year in Xfinity is going to do Chase much good. Yeah, there's tracks he struggles at, but you know what? There's, there's a lot of tracks that seasoned veteran cup drivers struggle at, so... I think it's a good shot that Chase could get into that 14 car, especially if the Kyle Larson deal fell through, if Stewart really tried to get him, and if Ford didn't want him, or whatever the case may be, the sponsors didn't want to get behind Kyle Larson, and it fell through, and he's moving on. 
I certainly could see Chase coming in there. Boyer, what does he do? Does he try to go to one of these other rides, the 42-43, or does he go up to the booth? He's been working on it already, does a great job in the booth, and I know he's a racer. He wants to be behind the wheel, but maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to step away. Step away and head up to, head up to the booth for Fox. Does a great job. Another car not talked about right now is Matt Benedetto in the 21 car. Kind of quiet on that contract front. Matt came out this week and said he has a three-year contract. It's up to the team. Each year is an option, and it expires at the end of September. About two weeks' time, we can have time from now. And if it expires, then he becomes a free agent. Well, that enters probably Austin Sindrick, who's in the same situation as Chase Briscoe. Did really well this year. Another year at Xfinity. Finally got some mobile wins. Runs up front every week. Won the regular season championship. Him and Chase are clearly the two front runners right now. I think Allgaier's making a strong case here as of late uh, for the championship. But there you go. Another guy here. Is Benedetto out? Is Austin in? Does Benedetto stay for another year? Does Austin run Xfinity for another year? There's a lot of things to be played out right now across NASCAR silly season. This is a great time of year. I don't ever want to see anyone lose their ride, but this is a great time of year because this is where you can get energized for like next year. But Kyle Larson does go to the 48. If Corey LaJoy would go to the 42, right? This is some cool stuff. Chase goes to the 14. Like this is really, really good stuff that you can get excited about for next year to see how these young kids can do. So looking forward to that. We'll see how that all plays out and go from there. All right. Well, here we go. It's sweet, sweet action time. And if you follow my Twitter page, I've been putting some picks out there. I gave you Cincinnati plus the six on Thursday night. That cashed in. They, they lost 35-30 to 30 to Cleveland, but covered the line. And Joe Burrow. I talked about him before in the previous podcast. Man, I love this kid. He's so good. He's so good. The first game against the Chargers, if you didn't see it, drove the team down the field with about a minute and a half left to go. Threw a touchdown pass to A.J. Green, which was a magnificent pass. The only place that ball could be thrown to A.J. Green, he did it. Unfortunately, A.J. Green had a little bit of a push-off, touchdown got called back, and this idiot kicker comes out, misses like a 27-yard field goal to put the game to overtime. I mean, completely heartbreaking for the kid. But all game long, Burrow throwing lasers, running, throwing on the run. His accuracy is unmatched. It's great. Same thing here the other night against Cleveland. Played really, really well. A lot of beautiful throws. But here's the problem. Zach Taylor's got to get his game plan together, man. Burrow was 37 of 61 attempts. That's really not that bad for 61 attempts. Three touchdowns and zero interceptions. This is his second NFL game. 61. 61 attempts. You cannot get it done that way. That can't happen. You cannot have a game where your rookie quarterback is throwing that many times. You've got to be able to run the football. You've got to be able to run the football effectively. You've got to do some misdirection. You have to do something to not have your quarterback go back there. And all it does, too, is put your defense back on the field. If your defense is on the field the whole time and you're throwing the ball 61 times and you're three and out all the time, how is that going to benefit you? You know, it's not going to benefit you at all. It's going to be terrible for you. So, Zach Taylor, head coach of Cincinnati, got to get a better game plan together. This is just, that's not where you need to be in getting this kid in his progression because he's really good. And, you know, and on the flip side of the coin in that Cleveland-Cincinnati game, Baker Mayfield, on the other hand, was 16-23, 219 yards, two touchdowns and a pick, 110 passer rating, right? But look at the running back situation. He had Nick Chubb run the ball for 22 carries, 124 yards, and two scores. Joe Mixon for the Bengals ran the ball 16 times for 46 yards. There you go. There's your difference right there. Cleveland was able to run the ball effectively, opened up some for Mayfield, and he didn't really throw a lot, 23 passes. Burrow, on the other hand, got no help from the backfield. 
No help from his offensive coordinator in misdirection and had to chuck the ball 61 times. But still, 316 yards and three touchdowns, no picks. It's pretty damn impressive. Old Joe Burrow. All right, so gave you that winner. Let's roll through this slate. Some games I like, some games I don't like. I'm just going to make you pick mostly on each side of it, and then I'll give you my pull tab at the end of my three favorite picks. And we'll roll through and see what we got. So first game up, Jacksonville at Tennessee. Tennessee's a minus seven, over under 43 and a half. Ay, ay, ay. How did Indianapolis lose to Jacksonville? This team has been a dumpster fire since the start of the season. Getting rid of Fournette, getting rid of Ramsey, sticking with Gardner Minshew. Like, how, I, I, I get it. Old Man Rivers in a new system, trying to get it done. But my God, how do you lose to Jacksonville? This team is god-awful. Tennessee, on the other hand, went to Denver. Got a win 16-14 at Denver. Pretty much, you know, a yawner. Derrick Henry did his thing. Nothing too impressive. Come back home and play this Jacksonville team. I think the public's going to be on Jacksonville in this game because they're going to look at Jacksonville and say, oh, man, you know, Indy was a really good team, and Jacksonville, you know, jumped on this deal, and, oh, man, this, this team isn't as bad. I to come home, and Tennessee didn't look that great. That's fine. I'll take Tennessee minus a 7. We'll go under the 43 and a half. I just, Jacksonville, it's Jacksonville. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this game was 27 to nothing by the time it was all said and done. So I'll take Tennessee in the under in that game. Next one, Falcons at the Cowboys. Cowboys minus four and a half, over under 54. Dallas shoulda, coulda, shoulda, woulda win in Los Angeles on Sunday night against the Rams. Had an offensive pass interference called. Was it offensive pass interference? Was it not? They called it. They ended up losing 20 to 17 to the Rams. The Falcons were at home first week against Seattle and lost 38-25. Seattle, I'll talk about them in a little bit. One of my favorite teams this year. I think they're going to be really, really strong. One of the tough teams to contend to the Super Bowl with. So Atlanta at Dallas. I, I'm going to go with Atlanta here. I know Dallas land four and a half coming back home. I'm just not so sure about that Dallas defense. I think Atlanta can score points to keep it close. Dak is, you know, he played okay. Not great. Ezekiel was, was, was pretty good. Not great. So I'm just going to go with Atlanta here. I like Atlanta, what they're doing. I know they didn't look all that great against Seattle, but on the road back to Dallas, Falcons plus four and a half. Over-under, got no feel on that one at all, so I'll pass on that one. All right, the Vikings at the Colts. Just talked about the Colts a little bit. Pretty disappointing loss at Jacksonville week one, 27-20. Minnesota, of course, they were going to lose because they played the best team in the NFL, the Green Bay Packers. They lost 43-34 at home to the Pack. This game is going off right now as the Colts minus three. 48. Now, I know this is probably a public perception like, man, the closest loss to Jacksonville, they got to be horrible. Minnesota's going to come in there, and I shouldn't not be on Minnesota in this game, but I really like Minnesota in this game, plus the three. Overrunner, don't really care for, but I think Minnesota's a better team than the Colts. I think Rivers is in a new system. It's going to take a little while. Marlon Mack just got hurt in the backfield, so thank God they drafted the best running back in college football last year, Jonathan Taylor at University of Wisconsin, to slide into that role, and he's going to be fine. But this is a tough spot for the Colts. Give me the Vikes plus the three. Next game, Niners travel across the country to face the New York Jets. Currently, San Fran's a minus seven, over under 42. San Fran had a tough loss last week against Arizona, 24-20. And the Jets took a loss at Buffalo, 27-17, which Buffalo is much, much, much improved. This one's a hard one for me. I don't really have much of a feel for this. San Fran didn't look all that great against Arizona. Traveling across country to play the Jets, who were just up in Buffalo. Hop, skip, and a jump away from East Rutherford. I'm going to go with the Jets here. I'm going to take the Jets plus the 7, and I'm going to ride the under 42. I don't think there's going to be a lot of points in this game. Two kind of sloppy offenses, two not too bad defenses. So give me the Jets plus the 7, we'll go under 42. 
All right, next game on the slate, Denver at Pittsburgh. We talked about Denver lost at home to Tennessee, 16-14, where Pittsburgh played Monday Night Football and beat the Giants 26-16. All that not impressive by any means from Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh right now is showing at a minus 7, over under 40.5. Don't have a huge, huge feel on the line in this game. If you put a gun to my head and I had to pick somebody, I would take Denver plus the 7, just because. But I like the over in this game, 40.5. I like the over. But the side, eh, not too crazy about it. All right, Ravens at Texans. Next game up, this is a 425 game. Baltimore at Houston. Baltimore right now showing minus 7, over under 50.5. Baltimore laid, laid the wood to Cleveland last week at home, 38-6. Houston kicked off the season at Kansas City and lost 34-20. to And I liked, I really liked Houston in that game, catching almost double digits against Kansas City. But, boy, they came out flat. Deshaun Watson did not look good. The defense did not look good. Mahomes just torched them. Kansas City is a good football team right now. I'll be their defense. I don't think it's all that great. But I was fooled again. I went against my trend. The buffoon clown bozo running the show down there, Bill O'Brien. God, he's awful. That team has a lot of talent on there, on that team. And he is just awful. My God, if they could get a head coach in there, they would be. it would be you know Deshaun Watson's dream to get a new head coach in Houston. But my God, I, I'm just going to jump on Baltimore here, minus seven for the fact that Bill O'Brien's an idiot. I can't stand him, and I hate that J.J. Watt has to play for that buffoon for most of his career. Over-under, not much of a feel. So give me Baltimore minus the seven. All right, back to the 1 o'clock game here. Carolina at Tampa. Carolina, tough loss at home against the Las Vegas Raiders, 34-30 last week, where Tampa went to New Orleans, game of the week, all the hype in the world. Tom, terrific. Tommy Brady made his debut for the Buccaneers, and they lost 34-23 at New Orleans. And oosh, Tom Brady did not look Good. But hey, everyone calm down. Everyone chill out. Okay. Arians called him out this week in the media, and everyone's like, oh my God, how can you call out the great Tom Brady? How can you say anything negative about Tom Brady? Well, he played like she played like shit. How can you not say anything about Tom Brady? It was horrible. Some of the passes he threw were atrocious. Hell, I could have gone out there and done a better job. But it's Tom Brady. It's a new offense. It's new receivers. It's Bruce Arians. It's Byron Leftwich. Okay, it's not Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniel, so everyone chill out. It's going to take a little bit of time. Everyone thought that Tommy Terrific was going to come to Tampa and put up 14 wins on the board. Okay, not going to happen. I said it to start the season. It's going to take some time. If they're a nine-win team, I wouldn't be surprised. If they just barely make the playoffs or just barely miss the playoffs, that's where I expect this team to be. So everyone just chill out. We'll see what this week, what this week brings. But here's an old adage in sports betting. I'll teach you something. Chip on an old Adam's knee here, kids. And we'll talk about a little old adage, old wives' tale of betting here with this game. This game's going off at Tampa, minus 8.5, over under 48. So here's my theory. You just got your butts whipped in New Orleans. And now you're coming home and you're laying 8.5, which is almost double digits to an NFL team. I'm not really, I mean, it doesn't matter what the team is. How can that be? How can you go on the road and look so terrible and lose 34-23, albeit it wasn't even that close, Come home and lay almost double digits to any NFL team. And granted, I know Carolina starting over with Bridgewater and Matt Rule, but they still have McCaffrey. They still have somewhat of a defense that's coming together. It's going to take a little bit of time. But I like Carolina plus eight and a half. I think, hey, give me double digits to a team that just lost, a big loss, already could be dissension in the locker room with Arians calling out Tom Brady. Give me, give me Carolina plus eight and a half. Over under 48, not much of a feel for it. So I'll just ride Carolina on that one. Next game, Giants and the Bears. Oh, freaking Chicago Bears. What a gift. 
Butterfinger Swift over there, the rookie from Georgia, drops a wide-open touchdown pass to hand Chicago their first loss in week one of hopefully many of the season. And instead, Chicago escapes out of there with a win. And now Trubisky is the greatest quarterback ever in the history of mankind. God, these Chicago fans. They're the worst fans in the NFL. Actually, I'll tell you this. They're the worst fans in the NFL, and they're almost as bad, if not as bad, as Ohio State fans in college football. Okay, that, that just this Chicago team, if they lose all 16 games every single year for the rest of my life, it would be the greatest gift ever. I hate the Bears. I hate talking about the Bears. I hate watching the Bears. Okay, so seeing what happened to them last week, got a gift, and all these Bear fans crying for Nick Foles, and they don't want Trubisky. Now all of a sudden they get the win, and Trubisky's the man of the hour. All of a sudden he's the greatest thing ever. Well, you know what? Cling on to your 85 championship, your Super Bowl, real, real tight Bears fans, because that's all you're ever going to have. The Monsters of the Midway, Jim McMahon, the Super Bowl Shuffle. Hang on to that like grim death, people, because that's all you're ever going to have. All right? So Bears, Giants, not even going to make a pick in this game because I just hate the Bears that much. Don't even really care what happens. Go Giants. I hope Barkley runs all over you. I hope he bounces back from a horrible week one against Pittsburgh and trounces you at Soldier Field. The mistake by the lake, by the way, Soldier Field. All right, moving on. Buffalo at Miami. Buffalo revitalized this year. One at home against the Jets, 20, 27-17. They head to Miami, hot and humid Miami, to play the Dolphins, who went to New England and lost 21-11 against Cam's appearance. First quarterback start for the Patriots, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Miami, I've made no secrets about it. I love what they're doing down there. I think Flores is doing a great job. Unfortunately, Fitzpatrick is the quarterback down there. They drafted two, which I've, I've already said. I don't think that was the right pick for this team. Fitzpatrick looked horrible last week against New England. Miami was on the field the whole time. Couldn't get it done. Couldn't stop Cam running the football. And lost, but now they're coming home against a tough Buffalo team. West McDermott is really good up there. Contract extension, Josh Allen, these guys. This is a good, fundamentally sound football team. But going to going to Miami, hot and humid. This line right now is sitting at minus six forty one. Give me the Dolphins plus the six. I think I think the conditions alone are worth three points. Give me Miami plus the six, and we'll go under forty one. Usually Buffalo Miami is a really hard fought game. I'll I'll go with the under on that one. So give me give me Miami plus the six in the under. 41 in that game. All right, last 1 o'clock game, the Rams and the Eagles. Rams, as we talked about, beat Dallas 20-17 over a controversial offensive pass interference call at the end of the game. Philadelphia had a pretty good lead. Washington fought back last week at Philly and won 27-17. I don't know what to make of this Philly team. You know, I really don't. Doug Peterson does a great job out there, but I'm not sure what to think about it. The Rams didn't look all that great either. They're traveling across the country to play Philly. Give me the Rams plus the one over Philly. I'll, it's a pick em game, basically. But I'll take the Rams plus the one, and I'm going to go under 46. I think this might be a little bit more of a defensive game. So give me the Rams and the under. All right, the before-mentioned Washington football team, and Dan Snyder will not put a mascot on this team. Mark my words. He's going to stick it to everybody that made him change from the Redskins, and he's going to keep it the football team. I'm telling you, just that's what's going to happen. Washington travels out to Arizona. Arizona got that win against San Fran, 24-20. Big win for Kyler Murray. Showed that Hopkins was the absolute smartest trade you could ever make because Bill O'Brien's an idiot, trading him away for basically nothing. They hurt David Johnson. And improved dividends, right? Got it done 24-20. Washington, as I just mentioned, went to Philly, got behind, came back after halftime, and got it done. And kudos to Ron Rivera. If anyone doesn't know the story, Ron Rivera is battling cancer, head coach of Washington, who was the coach of the Panthers last year. It's his first year in Washington taking IVs at halftime, but he will not miss a game. He will be there for his players. He will be there on the sideline for his players. And, man, what a story. What a leader. What a role model. What a guy that you'd want to play for. 
Ron Rivera, right? And I know he's an ex-bearer. I get it, the whole nine yards. But this is a kind of this is the kind of people that we need in society right now. We need this. This is the kind of role model we need. This guy's battling cancer and he's doing his job day in and day out. Even if he means he has to go get an IV at halftime, he's still going through all of his chemo and stuff. Like, just awesome. Just an awesome story. And we're all praying for Ron to get through it, get a clean bill of health, and maybe take this Washington team back to where they need to be. Right now, this game sits at Arizona minus seven, over under 47 and a half. I like Arizona minus a seven. I'm not a huge fan of laying anything over six points, typically. But I really like Arizona in this game. I really like what I saw last week against a really good, gritty, gutty San Fran defense. Washington still coming together with a new coaching staff. Dwayne Haskins still going to struggle a little bit. So give me the cards minus the seven. All right, back to 425 games. We have Kansas City at the Chargers. Kansas City obviously opened the season against Houston. We talked a little bit about that. 134-20. Mahomes looked like a badass like usual. Andy Reid with his sweet shield. That's a pretty sweet shield he had going on there. Uh, his I don't know how he saw anything, to be honest with you. I, mean, I think he just called plays and knew that they were going to work because he couldn't see anything with all the fog that was happening on his little COVID shield there. Heading to the Chargers, they went to Cincinnati. We talked a little bit about that Bengals game week one, 16-13 win at Cincinnati. Chargers didn't look all that great. Just enough to get it done against the rookie quarterback, Joe Burrow. Enter Kansas City, sitting at minus 948 the line. Just give me Kansas City minus nine. Until someone shows me that they can slow down that offense, I'm not so sure this number can be big enough. I think the nine, the tens, the 11 spreads are probably going to be there almost all year. Over-under, don't really have much of a feel for it. All right, Sunday night football. New England Patriots at the Seattle Seahawks. Cam, second game for Bill Belichick. Oh, my. Let me tell you something about Cam Newton. This is going to get really old in New England. It's all great right now because he won. But he's back to his same antics. He's wearing his babushka and his floral pastel color suits with his hats and his feathers and his shoes and the hey, look at me and the sunglasses and everything. You know what? It's going to get old. You know, scores a touchdown. He does his little happy feet dance, gives the ball to a lineman. He does his little thing when he blows in his hands and he walks up the line of scrimmage. Cam, I, you, you ran the ball great. Congratulations. You ran for 75 yards and a couple touchdowns. But your passing was atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. And all these teams are going to do is study the film and just stop you running the football. And guess what? Put everything on that sad right arm of yours. That's a laser, but you have zero accuracy. Zero accuracy. And you know what's going to start happening? And the Patriots are going to start losing. And Cam's going to start pouting, stomping his feet, and pointing fingers. And that's what's going to happen. Bill Belichick ain't going to stand for it. He'll bench him in a heartbeat and put Stidham in there. I guarantee it. So we'll see how this plays out. I think it's going to end badly. I think Cam needs to humble himself. Realized he got a second chance. Nobody wanted him. Bilicek brought him in. Earned, he, he earned the job over Stidham, which isn't really saying a whole lot. But come in and work hard, right? They're saying you're coming in and working hard, but stop with the antics, right? Nobody wants to see it. New England is the ultimate us team, okay? They had Tom Brady, obviously one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Brett Favre's the best of all time. That's not even a discussion point, but Tom Brady's up there just below Favre. They had great coaching with McDaniels, great coaching with Bilicek. But Tom Brady made that team go around too, right? But these guys are the ultimate, like, team players, okay? They bring in guys that are, you know, Amendola's and these type of guys that are Troy Brown back in the Super Bowl years. He played cornerback if he didn't play wide receiver. They bring in guys that are average or above average, and they make them into superstars. That's what they do. They coach them up. It's just like the Badgers. The Badgers will always get these three, four-star recruits, but they turn them into four or five-star recruits. That's exactly what New England does. New England does the same thing. They bring these guys in. And they just play above their talent level. And it works for them. And it's good for them. And they win games. But now, 
they have the ultimate me guy on their team in Cam Newton. It's all about Cam. Cam loves him some Cam. And I'm telling you, it's going to get old. If they start losing these games and he starts playing really bad, he better hope that defense is sorted this year because they're going to need it because they are not going to win games when he's throwing for 80 yards a game. I don't care if he runs for 75 yards or not. They're not going to win games if that's the case. And these defensive coordinators in the NFL, they're not stupid. They will come up with defenses to contain him and make him throw the football, and it's going to get ugly. All right? And that's why I said Sunday night against Seattle, Seattle minus 445. Give me the Hawks. Give me the Hawks minus four. Russell Wilson, really good. You know, Seattle's just a fundamentally good team. I think they're going to get better. I don't think they're there yet. Defense is pretty good. Offense is going to be pretty good, and they're going to come together. I really like Seattle this year to make a run out of the NFC. I hate to say it because Seattle's been a detriment to the Packers in the playoffs, but I really like Seattle minus four, and we'll see. Cam can prove me wrong, but I'm telling you, this all this antics of his babushka and all this other nonsense he got going on, I'm already over it, and, I, and it's been week one. So we'll see how long Bill Belichick holds on to that if they start losing games. So that's your Sunday night football game. We're rolling to Monday night. Yes, we'll get to the Packer game in a second. I haven't glossed over it. We saved the best for last, people. Take it easy. Monday night, New Orleans at Las Vegas to open up the Death Star Stadium. Allegiant Stadium, the Death Star. What a disappointment. This COVID has robbed us of so many things. This corona nonsense has robbed us of so many things. One of the things, man, that would have been just awesome. And it'll happen. It's going to happen. But opening the Death Star in Las Vegas for their first professional team, other than, obviously, the Knights, that are there, but the first NFL professional team, I should say. Man, that place would have been rocking and rolling in Las Vegas. The city would have been electric. Being at the game would have been electric. John Gruden bringing, bringing it to the party. Fortunately, no fans will be there. Drew Brees is coming to town, which would have been an awesome game. Man, I hate it. But if you get a chance, check out Monday Night Football. If you haven't seen Legion Stadium out there in Las Vegas, the place is really, really cool, man. It's awesome. I know they built that monstrosity out in Los Angeles, and that's a beautiful stadium too. But this is a really, really cool stadium if you get a chance to take a look at it. So we got the Saints right now sitting minus 5.5, 49.5. Michael Thomas probably not going to play. If this was a packed house with the energy and everything that was going to come along with it, I would take the Raiders plus the 5.5. But mm, mm, mm. 34-30 win at Carolina. New Orleans, obviously, we talked about beat Tampa Bay at home, 34-23. I don't know. This just feels like a this feels like a, a seven-point win for New Orleans, in my opinion. So I'll take the Saints minus five and a half. Four, nine and a half, don't really have much of a feel. I think that number is probably a little inflated. If I had a lean, I'd probably lean towards the under. But I'd, t- I'd go with the Saints minus five and a half. So before we get to talk about the Packer game here, as I'm going through all these games, I'll give you my pull tab here, my three favorite games. And if I just give you a pick, hey, it's for entertainment purposes only, but if you want to run down to Johnny Bookmaker and throw some money down for some sweet action, I'm not going to stop you. I love sweet action. That's why I'm doing this. That's why I love sports gambling. And fortunately, Barstool Sports now just released their app. They just started Barstool Sports Bets in Pennsylvania. Anywhere that has legal gambling in the state, you're going to be able to gamble on this app. So keep an eye out for that. You can download it. It's a Barstool Barstool Sports Bet app. Some of your states obviously don't have it yet. Some do. But it's going to only be a matter of time before all 50 states will have legal sports wagering, and I can't wait for that. But having said that, if I just give you a pick on these games, we're just rolling through and picking the games. You know, everyone's going to hold your feet to the fire if you lose these games or whatever. But when I give you my pull tab picks, those are my favorite plays. Those are one. Those are what I want you to judge me on as we go through the season of how I do in those things, in, on on those games. So let's jump into the last game real quick: Detroit at Green Bay. Detroit, obviously. Butterfinger Swift dropped a pass against the hated Bears, and they ended up losing 27-23 at Ford Field. The Packers, 
course one, 43-34 at Minnesota with an Aaron Rodgers who seems to be pissed off, and Aaron Rodgers that seems has something to prove, and Aaron Rodgers with a chip on his shoulder, and that's great. I, I want to pissed off Aaron Rodgers and throw three, four touchdowns to Devontae Adams and have Devontae 200 yards in the first half. That's what I want. I want that. Hey, we talked about it before. I have no problem with them picking Jordan Love with that first pick in the draft. Zero problem with that. Okay? But I also said, I don't mind Jordan Love sits for three, four years because that's what Aaron Rodgers did. Aaron Rodgers sat for three, four years behind Favre before he got a chance to play. He didn't come in and play right away. And I think that made Aaron Rodgers a better quarterback. And I think this will make Jordan Love a better quarterback. So if Aaron Rodgers hangs on for three years and can play at this level, come back to this level, which he hasn't been playing in the last couple of years, he finally ditched Danica, thank God, because when he started dating her, he went downhill. You know, coincidence? I don't know. But hey, come to play every week now. Get your head back in the game. Okay? That's great. And if he plays like that, that's great. I'm never going to love the guy, but you know what? I'm going to love him when he wins games for my team. And if Jordan Love sits for a couple of years and Aaron Rodgers plays at this kind of level, that's only, that's only going to be better for the succession of the years to come for the greatest football team in the NFL, the Green Bay, Green Bay Packers. So minus six and a half, Pack, 49. I like the under, 49 right off the bat. I'm going to take the Packers minus six and a half, but I'll be honest with you, I think this game... If I was in Vegas, if I was uh, Ozmakers, I would have probably put this game at about four and a half. The line hasn't moved much since it's come out, so that means they're getting their even action on both sides. But this game seems like a four and a half, five to me. But I'll take the Pack minus six and a half. Detroit's actually been playing really well at, Detroit, at Green Bay lately. Used to be the house of horrors for the Packers. Detroit could never win. And now Detroit's won a couple times here in recent years. So it's not like it used to be. Matt Patricia, is, this is the year, right? It's either go or go home this year. He's got to get it done. Disciple of Bill Belichick. It's been very underperforming. Um, with Matthew Stafford on the team for the last couple years. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Our, my man Quintez Cephas plays for Detroit. Had a mediocre game last week, but we'll see. He's coming back to Wisconsin to play, and we'll see how it shakes out. But we'll go with the pack at home. Now, no fans at Lambeau for the first two games, and then they said they're going to reevaluate of if they're going to let fans in or not. So it'll be pretty empty. It'll look like a Jacksonville home game, basically, at Lambeau come Sunday at 1 o'clock when Detroit rolls into town. But, hey, let's see what we got. A.J. Dillon didn't play a whole lot. like to see him get the ball some more. Irvin played a lot, looked really, really good. Jones looked good. DeMonte looked good. And thank God, Scantling came to play. A couple catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown. Lazard played well with the touchdown. DeGura, again, like only one catch for 12 yards, but he played well. He played a couple different positions. That was good. So, you know, I'm loving it. Like, move this stuff around and see where we land. Lafleur's offense, we'll see what we get. Obviously, Petten's got a little bit to work to do on defense. Jair, Jair Alexander had a pretty good game. The Smith brothers. But, man... Bring in Clay Matthews, please. Clay Matthews is sitting there as, as a free agent right now, looking to sign probably for league minimum. Just bring him back, okay? We need some inside linebacker help. Bring him back, okay? Rashawn Gary, where have you been? Is Rashawn Gary, is he there? Rashawn Gary. Rashawn, first-round draft choice a couple years ago, and you've done nothing. I believe you had one tackle in the game, right? This is what I'm talking about. Bring Clay in. Let him mentor him. I know we have Zadarius there to mentor. I know we have Preston there to mentor. But bring a guy like Clay back. He's a locker room guy, man. It'd be awesome to see 52 back on the field for the Packers. Man, I would absolutely love it if they brought him back. But there he sits, and who knows? Maybe we get a couple more injuries, and they'll bring him back in. But having said that, Petten's got his work cut out for him for his defense. What's Detroit going to bring to the party? I'm not really sure. I guess we'll see. You know, with all these games, one thing to think about, too, is only week two it's probably going to be around week four maybe week five before you start to see who these teams are you know who they actually are Jacksonville right came out with a win but they might lose the next five games in a row like these teams are going to find themselves here in the next three four weeks and that's huge in these betting lines and also to the crowds 
not having the crowd there. For example, like I mentioned, Monday night, not having a packed Death Star Stadium on Las Vegas is going to make a huge difference in the line and how you would bet it. So some stadiums are having some people, some aren't. The people that they are letting in really isn't a big, dif- big deal or different banker to the crowd noise. So these are all things you got to factor in as we go through, you know, this COVID-19 betting, starting betting season. Hopefully it'll change and get everyone back in the stands soon. But these are all things you got to look at. And I talk about all the time. You got to do your homework and figure out what you got to do. But right now, these first couple weeks of the season with no preseason, jumping right into the NFL season, you don't kind of know, don't know what you're going to get. You're kind of throwing darts at the board right now. So you got to lean on your past experiences. Like I mentioned, the Tampa Carolina game, I'm just looking at a past experience of mine of how a team loses pretty badly the week before and now they come back and lay almost double digits doesn't make any sense to me not at all so you got to kind of lean on some of those things you might you know you might navigate some some troubled waters for these first couple weeks might lose some games but once the you know you come out of the out of of the storm and the waters are calmer things can turn around pretty pretty quickly so all right I'll give you my pull tab this week of my three favorite games these are the games that I like the most of of the slate like I mentioned I pick these games and I'll run through I'll pick anything if you just tell me pick a game and I'll give you a reason for it but these are my three plays that I like the most so one o'clock I mentioned it before, Vikings at Indy, Indy minus 348, give me the Vikings plus a three. That's my first pull tab right there. I hate betting on the Vikings, but I just think they're an overall better team than Indy right now. I think Rivers is still learning that offense. You know, they lost to Jacksonville. I know the public's probably going to be on Minnesota, and I hate being on the side the public's on, but give me the, give me the Queens plus the three. Four o'clock game, Arizona at home against Washington, minus seven. I like the Cardinals in this game. Kyler Murray, Hopkins, Fitzgerald. I think they're doing a good job out there. They look really good against a tough San Fran defense. They're staying home. Washington's got to travel across the country. Give me the Cardinals minus seven for my second pull tab. And the last pull tab, I talked about it already, how much I like this team this year. Sunday Night Football, Seattle minus four at home against Cam and the Patriots. Give me the Hawks minus the four. I think it's a good play. I think Cam's going to struggle. I think they're going to put a little pressure on him, make him throw the football, and that is going to be a problem for old Cam Newton. So, Guys, I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning back in. I know I had a two-month hiatus. I'm going to really try my best to get going every single week and give you my picks. If you don't have put a podcast out this week, that week, I'll put my picks on Twitter at PullTabPodcast, or you can send me a note, PullTabPodcast at Yahoo.com. Shoot me anything you want to know. I don't play fantasy, but I help a lot of people with their fantasy teams. If you have a question about fantasy, if you have a question about a game coming up, Obviously, college football has been starting. It's been in the third week right now. Hasn't been too many big games going on. There's a game tonight. Miami and Louisville, no really interesting to me. Next week, the big boys get rolling. The SEC will start playing. Big 12, those guys will start playing. And then a couple weeks behind, obviously, the king of all conferences, the Big 10, will get it rolling. The Badgers will kick off against Illinois, and they'll probably be a 35-point favorite, most likely, in that game. So hopefully, Paul Chris has got those boys ready to rip up in Madison and get it done this year. So... Appreciate you listening. Subscribe, like, tune in anywhere where podcasts are. iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, all those great platforms where you can get this podcast. So I appreciate it. I apologize wholeheartedly for missing for the last couple of months, but we're back on track. Week two of the NFL starts tomorrow. Let's get after it. Let's get ready to rip. So until next time, have a good one.